Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. The Art History Babes. Art History Babe Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Ginny. And we are the Art History Babes. And we have a Art History Babe Brief for you all on... Uh, something that's very timely. You probably have heard about it. <laughs> I would be shocked. Everywhere. I'd be shocked if it somehow did not make it onto your radar. But earlier this week, there was a fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. And yeah, it's been, it has been kind of the focus of a lot of attention. And seeing as we're an art history podcast, we thought it'd be good <laughs> to do to talk, about it. <laughs> to talk about it, to do an episode yeah. on it. We're going to share the history of Notre Dame. We're going to talk about what we know about the fire. And we're also going to hash out some of the more complicated aspects of the event and some mm-hmm. of our thoughts and feelies. Thoughts and feelies. We've got them. We've, we've got a lot of them all the time. <laughs> <We do. laughs> It's our cross to bear. (laughs) Let's get into it. So the history background of the Notre Dame, which translates to Our Lady in English. The Notre Dame is a cathedral in Paris, France. It's located on a small island in the middle of the Seine River called the Ile de la Cité. It is the most widely visited site in Paris, attracting an estimated 13 million visitors a year. Construction of the Notre Dame began in 1163 under King Louis VI, or Louis in this case, uh, and it Louis. was not fully complete. <laughs> yes, Louis, <laughs> not Louis. <laughs> Who's Louis? Uh, <laughs> and it was not fully completed until 1345 during the reign of Philip VI. Notre Dame was built to face across from the royal palace and served as an important space both for church and state functions over the centuries. Louis VI moved his official palatial residence to Paris as by the 12th century the city was the biggest and fastest growing in France. The floor plan of Notre Dame is typical for Gothic cathedrals in that it makes the shape of a cross with a large walkway that runs through the center of the two aisles called a nave and the transept which crosses over the nave. The construction of Notre Dame was a gradual process as sections of the cathedral occurred over spans of time. The choir and transept were completed first in 1182, followed by the nave circa 1225. Notre Dame is historically significant for many reasons, 
but its demonstration of Gothic architecture and the ways in which it departed from Gothic churches before it are of particular importance for the study of art history and architecture. Notre Dame surpassed the size of previous Gothic churches and really set the precedent for massive Gothic cathedrals that many associate with the architectural style. The Notre Dame is four stories tall. Building a cathedral with such a tremendous height requires additional support on the walls. Ordinarily, this kind of interior height would have required the walls to be quite thick. However, this would mean cutting into the interior wall space designated for all of the stained glass windows. The solution was to construct additional support to the walls, but on the exterior as opposed to the interior. The flying buttresses built on the outside of Notre Dame are considered to be one of the first examples of this technique implemented in construction. Flying buttresses support external walls by providing a displacement in the weight of that wall. A flying buttress arches up to connect with a particularly high wall while being attached to the ground or a shorter, more stable wall, which allows for very high walls to be supported from the outside without adding thickness or support to the interior of the walls. The flying buttresses of the Notre Dame allowed for these gorgeous stained glass windows to be placed throughout the interior of the church as the walls were getting the structural support they needed on the outside, not the inside. The rose window in particular, the term rose window is used to describe a circular window found in buildings of the Gothic architectural style. The Notre Dame is known for its three stained glass rose windows, the North Rose, the South Rose, and the West Rose. The North Rose window was completed around 1255 and established the pattern for many rose windows after it, including those at the Basilica of St. Denis, or Denis? 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 Is that French? Denis? Denis? It is French. Like Louis. (laughs) Exactly. I'm getting it. (laughs) You got it, man. I've got this language down. (laughs) What is particularly impressive about the Notre Dame's rose windows is that unlike most stained glass in France, they contain nearly all of their original elements. In other words, they made it out of the Middle Ages, the French Revolution, and both world wars relatively unscathed. Those are some impressive windows. I know. They've been through a lot. (laughs) They have been through a lot. They have seen a lot of history, those windows. (laughs) Seriously. Some other facts about the cathedral's history. It is probably unsurprising that the Notre Dame was unpopular during the French Revolution. However, Mm -hmm. parts of the building were co-opted for ammunition. (laughs) <laughs> which is just a crazy time <laughs> i know it's really very interesting to imagine bullets were made out of lead from the cathedral's roof all of the giant bells except for one were melted down and made into cannons like they were just scavenging and like ripping up metal melting it down it's nutty that's it's resourceful is what it is <laughs> that it is And then the cathedral was also used for food storage, which makes sense. Sure. After the French Revolution, Notre Dame had fallen out of favor and was kind of left to deteriorate until Victor Hugo wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame in 1831. Once the book was published and gained acclaim, public officials of France decided to spruce the place up again. It was restored by architect Eugene Vallet-le-Duc during this time, and the cathedral's iconic central spire was added to the structure. 
So let's go back even further in the history of the site. Let's it was do it. I mean, because it existed before the church was built. There was it, already history there. <laughs> it did. And it gets really interesting and witchy. And so naturally, I'm we're into it. going to talk about it. So the site where Notre Dame is built, the Ile de la Cité, was first home to a pagan temple, which Romans built after Julius Caesar led them to occupy the city in 52 BC. So this site has pagan origins and is considered a sacred site to many pagans practicing today, which is so interesting, especially because I often think of religious buildings and how sites get reused and something that was once a pagan temple becomes a Catholic church and something that was once a church becomes a mosque, becomes a museum, and that that draws people in that practice totally different religions. It's interesting how that site can kind of contain all of that together. Yeah, totally. I found this like blog post that was just about, it had just like compiled a bunch of different reactions from contemporary practicing pagans to mm -hmm. fire and it's just like it's a whole demographic of people that this event affects in a very different way right. from that of like you know because obviously everyone kind of thinks you know devout catholics are going to be affected by this for obvious reasons mm -hmm. but there's mm -hmm. a whole other population that also has a spiritual sacred connection to the site which, yeah, I just, I feel like it's something that kind of gets overlooked. Definitely. And then it's also really interesting to think, like, how deep can you go into the connections between paganism and then the development of the Catholic Church and, like, how those things are related and, like, how, mm -hmm. how there's, like, an interplay there in terms of belief systems. So, yeah, just a very interesting thing just a very important site like there's a lot of a lot of energy there totally. <laughs> a lot going on. and i saw this post today and i even tried contacting the author like hey do you have any sources for this because i want to <laughs> share it and they never got back to me but i do think it's just interesting and so i'm going to share it but like fair warning it needs to be verified this isn't like coming from a verified source and as uh, we like to remind our listeners, like, you can't just believe everything you see on the internet. So, <laughs> so verification is always good, but still very interesting. According to this post, the site of Notre Dame has some like serious like Mother Earth energy. And the site of Ile de la Cité was dedicated to the traditional mother goddess. The original mm. altar was built above the Grotte des Druids, which housed mm. a sacred dolmen. A dolmen is a megalithic tomb. And it was representative of the womb of the earth. Wow. I know, right? That's like intense. <laughs> that is intense. Oh, I'm so curious about that. I hope that person gets back to you sometime. <laughs> Me too. And I will um, definitely update you all if I find out more information. But also if any of you, you know, study this kind of stuff or have any sources or any ideas, please email us because I think it's just... Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm really interested in like ancient history and pagan history and things, but obviously because it's so old, it's it's really hard to verify. Mm -hmm. So any good sources on information like this is really beneficial. Also, the same post brought up kind of on the subject of mother feminine symbolism. 
that there are carved spider webs that can be found in the skylight of the cathedral and suggested that this can be read as Arachne, the spider goddess who rules man's fate, or Isis as the weaver of destiny. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love your gasps. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> That's wild. Right? Oh, my gosh. I never, like, heard anything about that connection or that there are carved spider webs. I think that's something that you do see in stained glass. Like, I, I have vague, like, images of that, but the connection with Arachne or Isis is pretty cool. It's very cool. So there's all of that to think about, too. I think we should take a quick break. Yes, yes. All right, be right back. We have returned. Back to talk about fires. Fire, man. The fire. The fire that has been read about and heard about and watched across the world. For real. So, like, I, I was at work and I, like, saw that it was happening and, like, popped up on mm -hmm. my phone and I, I texted you guys right away i was like dude like like no on, really on fire yeah <laughs> yeah for real and we were all like damn like you know but the the amount and the the way the the whole thing escalated and just how everyone just like jumped on it was really surprising to me i kind of thought you know we're art historians like i thought we might be a little more interested in it than the average person you know but like no it was everyone everyone had a thought yeah. or like had something to say about it it's it's just so wild too because like i go on the bbc not necessarily every day but most days to read the news and they'll have like seven stories that are like the top and then you scroll down for more. And like every single one, every single one of their headliners was about Notre Dame. Where it was like, here are aerial shots of the flames. Here's how what's been damaged. That was wild to see. I was like, wow. And then social media, people being like, RIP Notre Dame. I went here in 2008. Not to criticize how people reacted to it on social media by saying, oh, I went here and I sketched it for a drawing class and things like that. Because all of that is really meaningful because that's your own personal experience with Notre Dame. But I didn't expect so many people to have stories like that that they were posting. Yeah, everyone who's ever crossed paths with that church, you know, like had a picture mm -hmm. or had something. So yeah, it was it was an interesting thing to watch unfold in real time. The video of when the spire fell it's powerful. Like I, that definitely made me feel something, you know, watching anything kind of collapse and like go up in flames. There's something very complicated and kind of poetic about that. It, yeah. it creates a lot of emotions. So like, yeah, it's just been a lot of things and a lot of people have had different reactions to it. Let's talk real quick about what we know about the fire and then we'll kind of come back to this topic a little bit more. So far, what we know about the fire. On Monday, April 15th, 620 local time, fire alarms at the Notre Dame sounded. 
Those in the building at the time were unable to locate the fire. About 20 minutes later, smoke was visible pouring from the roof. And by 8 p.m., the building's central spire had fallen. As far Mm. as damage goes, the wood Latisse work roof, nicknamed the forest, which is incredibly poetic. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) And the iconic spire had collapsed. The spire was roughly 300 feet tall, made of 500 tons of wood and 250 tons of lead. <gasps> That's so much material. That's so much stuff. I, can you imagine the sound that that made when oh it collapsed? Ooh, I think the, we'd been struck by a meteor. I mean, yeah, not to mention the super apocalyptic image of a giant church on fire. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. The spire was surrounded by uh, 16 copper statues representing the 12 apostles and the four evangelists, which happened to be removed last week as part of a restoration effort. So that was kind of lucky. Much of the art and relics housed in the church were saved, including the iconic rose windows and the crown of thorns. Which did you know that Notre Dame housed Jesus's supposed crown of thorns? Because that's wild. (laughs) I know. I did know that just because I took that seminar on relics. And we talked so much about European churches that are like pilgrimage destination points and the different relics they have. Yeah, if that's like perhaps one of the biggest, most stars attached to its <laughs> name relic you could have. Yeah, that is like the relic to end all relics. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I honestly didn't even realize that was a thing that we as humanity had or claimed to have. Like, I didn't... I did not realize that. So that got out of there. That's good, probably. (laughs) So a little bit more about what the status is of Notre Dame today. Now that the, the flames have been quelled, it's been reported that the structure is stable. However, there are still concerns about additional collapse from the weakened structure. Fair. Most specifically, the bell towers, which are at risk of toppling over. And that was wild, too, because I had read that it was a matter of like 15 to 20 minutes that the firefighters were able to control the fire. And otherwise, it would have come for the bell towers and like practically the whole church would have Mm -hmm. been destroyed, which like go firefighters all around the world. I also read that. Yeah. And there's actually some firsthand accounts from some of the firefighters and they're they're pretty Dope. They're pretty badass. But mm-hmm. the, apparently, so they were like fighting the fire. And then when the spire collapsed, they ordered all the firefighters to leave the structure. And then mm-hmm. they sent in, I and I'm imagining in my head all sorts of crazy things of what this looks like. It probably is not accurate at all, but they like sent in a robot, like, <laughs> like a robot to continue fighting the fire. Once the spire collapsed. <laughs> That's how it's done. Just I, I, Once again, back to the imagery. You have this oh. gigantic Catholic cathedral up in flames and it's being it's being combated <laughs> by a robot firefighter. <laughs> oh, 
I mean, it's obviously not like what happened isn't funny, but that image is it's just funny. Yeah, like it, like it sounds like oh, a sci-fi man. movie. Like it's wild. It really does. The president of France, Emmanuel Macron, made a statement that he wants the Notre Dame rebuilt in five years, which is very ambitious. Might I note? <laughs> He's an ambitious guy. I get that vibe from him. He is. He is. I would be surprised if they're able to do that in five years, but I think it's it's a good sentiment. I get why he said that, but any kind of restoration work on like a very old historic building that isn't largely damaged by fire takes so much time just because you have to be incredibly careful and you have to get new materials in. And if you're trying to match them to what is like 500 years old, that's the whole thing. But when so much of it is actually destroyed like it is in this case, I think that's going to be quite the job. But hey, maybe five years, it'll happen. Dream big, man. Dream big. Why not? Okay, discussion time. So uh, things are about to get a little messy. Um, (laughs) I do (laughs) want to... Okay, so I'm going to preface some of the things I'm about to say. Because, you know, part of what we do here is we share our thoughts and feelings and we try to be very authentic. And so I really want to try and be authentic with the thoughts I've been having over this event and the Mm -hmm. fact that this event has kind of raised a lot of hard questions for me. And I would like to try and work through them here with y'all. But I do want to state that like, however you were affected by the event or however you choose to grieve or express your feelings is entirely valid. And I'm not interested in like telling you that it isn't this event is, you know, it affects everyone differently given their personal experience it's going to affect art historians differently parisians differently devout catholics differently and i'm in no way trying to say that you aren't allowed to feel some type of way about it i mean i felt some type of way about it like you know like but it is i think important and valuable that we look at this whole event and how we have reacted culturally and placing this event side by side with other events of destruction and examine the, I guess, Eurocentric lens that Mm -hmm. we have kind of established here. I actually had a really good conversation with a friend of mine over Instagram and she's, they big intersectional feminist activist. And she was once again, just being very honest about like the different aspects to this. And I think one of the big questions that people are starting to ask and should be asked is how and why do we choose which buildings, which artworks to publicly mourn? Right? Right. Yeah. And I think what's What is a little difficult for me in this case, because I definitely think it's very tragic and as an art historian, you know, it's, it's a loss of like part of our cultural history. And when anything like architectural or art related or, you know, like objects like relics get destroyed just from like the historical perspective to me, I'm like, Oh, that's a loss. However, I think people will always remember when the Notre Dame <laughs> was on fire and, it, and it's not going to be hard for future historians or art historians talking about it, writing about it to find information on it. However, like when you think about mosques, temples, 
huge statues of different religions that have been destroyed either by accident or in many cases intentionally. Like those examples are harder to call to mind. Like you have to actively look for them. So when the Buddhas of Bamiyan were destroyed by Al-Qaeda, and so this was an intentional act of, you know, trying to like wipe out traces of that religion. So this was like a, a violent, intentional attack against like that aspect of cultural history, but it still isn't that well known. And I'm sitting here trying to think of other examples and I don't have that many. And a large part of it is because one, like I can go and find that information out, you know, but you either have to make the choice like where, oh, I wonder what other examples there are of like maybe mosques burning down or temples being destroyed. And you, you really have to dig for it or someone has to tell you about it. Whereas with Notre Dame, like you just had to walk outside of your house. And you would or know not. about it. You just had to or pick not. up your phone. Exactly. <laughs> More likely be in your home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, 100%. And another event that has been placed side by side, your example is is a really good example of, of, I guess, like cultural heritage and kind of like from an art history perspective. But also, if you say you want to look at this from a religious perspective, like a Christian Catholic perspective. Well, in the past weeks, there have been three different predominantly black Baptist churches in mm-hmm. Louisiana that were burnt down and it hasn't been fully established, but they are alleged hate crimes, right? So these are sacred spaces. They've been burnt down and we didn't hear anything about it. Mm-hmm. How in any way is that any less tragic? You know, so there is this question of, are we mourning the right things? Because mm-hmm. if we truly are grieving the loss of Notre Dame as a sacred space, as a space that's important to a lot of people, then like we should have that same respect for other sacred spaces. It's not saying you can't have feelings about the fire in Paris, like, but it Mm -hmm. is saying, take the time to think about your feelings and why do you feel this way about this building? And like, why... Why did you feel compelled to post that photo on your Instagram about it? Not that that's wrong, but why did you feel the need to express that? And are there other events and other things that need our attention just as much? Yeah, definitely. And and I think what part of this is about, you know, like I have been to Notre Dame. You know, I was privileged enough to go to Paris and when I was studying abroad and meet my dad and go into the Notre Dame, which is really cool. But, you know, when we're talking about some of these other examples, like Baptist churches in America and like the Buddhas of Bamiyan, like those are in Afghanistan. And I think part of it also comes from a bit of like that kind of like Western lens of like, oh, you know, like travel and like, yes, you know, I went to Paris and Mm -hmm. I saw Notre Dame, like I went and I had that like adventurous experience with it. Whereas like other places of worship or like objects of worship that have been destroyed either by accident or intentionally in like geographical places, a larger part of Western society may deem is not like attractive Mm -hmm. to go to, or like they're just too common. You know, it's like small time churches and 
it just doesn't have that grandiosity in a lot of ways. And not to say that oh, again, like, it's not a bad thing that you went to Notre Dame and saw it. I'm very glad and I'm very lucky that I did. But it seems to be like that's maybe some of the connection with social media where like people are going back in their photo albums. And I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, I was at Notre Dame. And like, you know, I was even looking like, do I have photos from that? Like, not that I was, I wasn't going to post it because, you know, I never post anything because I suck. But um, <laughs> I think that might be part of it, too. And I want to correct myself really quickly because I said that the Buddhas of Bamiyan were destroyed by Al-Qaeda, but it wasn't. It was the Taliban. So. No, uh Totally. Like, I completely agree. And I actually have two points kind of coming off that. One, I actually did not go in Notre Dame, unfortunately, but I was outside of it when we were in Paris and very lucky to have had that experience. And I also thought about my own experience outside of that church. And it does hold a special memory for me. And it's actually like relatable to this in a very kind of weird, interesting, poetic way because. We were in Paris. It was the night of La Fête des Musiques, which is a huge festival. And we had been drinking a lot and dancing and we were just like wandering around and we literally like ran in to the Notre Dame, just like out in front of this grand building all lit up like late at night. And there's people partying in the streets everywhere. And mm. it was really beautiful. And we sat outside of Notre Dame and watched a fire spinner perform. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that's a very like specific connection, right? Like, right. Um, and, and, that's, and that sounds magical, you know, it, it, and it's, it totally was. It totally yeah. was. And it's a, it's a undoubtedly a gorgeous architectural structure. I mean, what to me is like really inspiring when I go into grand cathedrals like that, it's not the religious aspect because that's just not my background, but it's, it's more of being like, wow, look at what humans made. You mm -hmm. know, it's that's what's really the most like potent to me in my own personal feelings and opinions about Notre Dame and that like, you know, you're wandering the streets, you're having a great time with your friends and you walk upon this like just amazing architectural feat. Like that is just a beautiful moment to have had. <laughs> Exactly. So I, get, I get why people are sharing like, oh, you know, I when I went and this and that and this is so sad, like it totally makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And similarly, going back to the story that I brought up about my friend who I was kind of working through some of these complicated ideas with on Instagram as we were like talking about our feelings about this and our different thoughts, I, I really appreciate. Uh, appreciated how she was able to hold both things to be true in the sense that you can have your moment in front of Notre Dame. Like if you had it, I, I hope it, I hope it was as beautiful and magical as mine. Like I hope you had a moment that meant something to you there, but you can have that and you can hold that to be true and you can mourn in some way and you can still recognize the ways in which there may be some type of injustice here, or you can still recognize the fact that this building, even though mass amounts of people felt a certain way about it, it doesn't mean that to everyone. There are some people who feel that this is a building that represents something not quite so beautiful. There are plenty of people that feel that there are more important things to be mourning, you know? So yes. 
And that's completely valid. So Mm -hmm. I think ultimately what I saw my friend do in real time on her Instagram story was like work through all of these complicated things and like be honest about them. And then still at the end, she was like, but you know what? I, I was lucky enough to study abroad in Paris and this is affecting me in some way. And, Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, you can do both. Like you can have your appreciation. You can feel empathy for the people of Paris. You can do that. And you can still step back and say, but like, how are we being hypocritical here? And how can we do better? And like, how can we push this attention onto issues that, that, you know, are really, really uh, really needed and really affecting people. And that kind of brings me to the last point that I, I do want to hash through really quick large corporations and Mm -hmm. mass amounts of people are donating billions of dollars, right? To including, including support from the United States has been offered like, like billions of dollars are being offered for restoration for this building. And I just got to say like straight up the Catholic church is worth billions of dollars. Like they're okay. They're They're fine guys. Like, (laughs) and you know, we have people starving and all of these issues that are affecting people's livelihood, but yet all of our big corporations are giving millions of dollars to a building that one, I guarantee is insured for crazy amounts of money (laughs) Two (laughs) is like under the purview of the Catholic church, which is worth so much money, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and I, that I struggle with a lot is, I do too. It's like yeah. your money is, is power and it's energy. And I want to see it rebuilt. I want to see, you know, what happens next. And if they decide to do something different with it, if, you know, it ends mm-hmm. up being a new structure, like all, all of those things. I've talked about this on the show before. I'm just like a big believer in the idea that artwork including buildings, you know, any any type of artwork has a lifespan. Mm-hmm. And this is just a huge event in the lifespan of this building. And then it's going right. to get rebuilt and it's going to have a new cycle in its lifespan. But financially, it's fine. You know, exactly. <laughs> so that I think more than anything has been the hardest thing for me to swallow. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, I really do. I mean, the gestures, they're all kind gestures, of course, but it's, I just, it's not needed. It's just not. And I think in a lot of ways, more of it is probably publicity for some of these things. And like Trump being like, we'll give you this, you know, it's like, okay, sir. <laughs> but really though, this is just, I mean, it's a bigger symptom of that giant social media outpouring. Mm-hmm. It's these companies and politicians and whatever can say, oh, this has traction. So many people are responding to this. Let's give money to this. And that, you know, is, is a huge ethical issue with capitalism in general. And yeah. it's also, I mean, it's complicated because also we're an art history podcast. And in so many ways, I love that people feel feel something and feel moved by an event that has to do with something art related and a piece of history. 
For like, sure. That is great. That's something we value. And I think that's powerful. But yeah, ultimately, if you really look at the way the aftermath is playing out through a critical lens, yeah, they're just problems. And I'm not saying I have all the answers. All I'm saying is I think it needs to be thought about and considered. And discussed like what we're doing. I mean, part of why we even are talking about this with one another is because we don't have any answers. And this is is what dialogue and discussion is all about. It's just kind of asking questions and working through things that you think are a problem or things that seem hypocritical or aspects that don't make sense to you. And that in and of itself is important. And even if that's just your launching off point, just to like think about this in particular and what it connects to and in and of itself, I think is really needed. And it's just something that people need to do more in general. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. So I think ultimately, we hope if you haven't been considering some of these ideas that hopefully this conversation maybe makes you look at things a little differently. I also, you know, hope that in whatever way that this affected you, like hope you channel it into something. I've seen a lot of really beautiful like artworks and poems that have been inspired by this. And I love that. I think that's great. If you're moved to create something from something like this, please do. I think that's fantastic. When, when we feel this much grief over this like giant, beautiful building. I I would like to see us channel some of that compassion into other things that are truly Mm -hmm. affecting human beings around the world. Yes. Well said, my friend. Thank you. All right. Do you have anything else to say, Jenny, babe? I think that's it. There are probably going to be more things that pop into my head later as I continue to think about Notre Dame because I'm going to be thinking about it for a while. Oh, um, definitely. I think there's going to be you know, some some really great academic work done post oh, this. Absolutely. I have been, I have been thinking about that in particular. I really think in general how people respond to monuments, architecture, and art getting destroyed is fascinating. And then like Dude. what art comes out of that destruction. So, oh man, Me I could too. get lost I, in that all day. Oh God, dude, you are preaching. Like I <laughs> have such a romantic penchant for destruction. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, Same. like I <laughs> love it. Like I can't even lie. <laughs> I know. And Me then too. also, yeah, the, the watching as the restoration happens, I think it's going to be very fascinating yes, as well. Definitely. We'll, we'll keep, thinking about it. We'll keep learning about it. And yeah, we'll see what happens. I really like doing episodes like this that directly speak to something that's going on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on a larger scale. And I feel like it's just a great example of the endless ways that art interacts with the quote unquote real world, you know? Yes, dude. That's what we've been telling the people. (laughs) We've been telling you guys. (laughs) This is it. But yeah, absolutely. All right. Before we say goodbye, just a few shouts out to artandobject.com. We are paired up with artandobject.com. They're a great website. They provide a lot of contemporary art news, a lot of art historical content. They post things like podcasts. And it's just a really nice 
you know, well put together website to stay on top of what's going on in the art world. So be sure to check out artandobject.com. Also, shout out to our producer level patrons, Sarah Swatchka Dalton and Teresa Rogers. And of course, love to all of our patrons. If you want to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash art history, babes. You can become one for as low as $1 a month and you get monthly bonus episodes. It's like so much content for so cheap. So much content. So much so content. Cheap. Also, if you are already a patron and you are owed a perk of some kind, please make sure you're checking your Patreon messages. Uh, we always verify addresses and whatnot before perks get sent out. And I think sometimes those messages don't get to the people they need to get to. So <laughs> if you are a lovely patron who is at one of the higher levels and you are owed a perk of some kind, please check your messages so we can get you your stickers, your t-shirt, what have you. But yes, thank you again so much for helping us do what we do. We really appreciate it, you guys. We do. Thank you all. And thank you to everyone for listening. This was this was a good yes. one. I liked hashing this stuff out with you, Jen. It was good. Me too. Me too. This was good for me. This was therapeutic. <laughs> good. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope I'm, you all enjoyed it too. <laughs> they say fire's cleansing. Oh, yes. Right. Right. From the ashes. Right, man. New things will begin <laughs> or, or something like that. The, the phoenix. <laughs> the phoenix. You know, the phoenix the comes phoenix. out of that. We try so hard to be like poetic and like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh if man. Only. If only. All right. Thank you guys so much. We will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye bye. Louis, <laughs> not Louis. <laughs> Who's Louis? Uh <laughs>